We made this. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a cold-blooded, premeditated murder. Hi everyone and welcome to the Red and Buried podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Sarah. And it's just the two of us this week. God, it hasn't been like that for a while, has it? No, it's been a while. Do you know, it's because, Sarah, unfortunately, we're too popular now. Mm, Yes, that is an issue. Yeah, victims of our own success. We have so many authors just clamouring to get on the podcast. Yeah. It's not just about us anymore. No, but you know, we're we're good to the little people. Um, You probably shouldn't include that. (laughs) (laughs) Too late, that's in. And I completely disagree with that, so I'll keep that in as well so that I look better by comparison. Oh, I mean, fair. Mm. But it's good to have be back and do just a regular old review episode, although I have to say I've been really enjoying doing all the interviews and meeting so many wonderful authors. Yeah, definitely. Thank God we haven't had anyone who's been awful. Do you know, this is really interesting. Someone asked me recently, like, oh, who's been the worst you've interviewed? And I genuinely oh couldn't, I, I couldn't, I genuinely couldn't answer the question because I was like, they've all been really good in different ways. That's an awful question. So they really think that you'd answer it. Yeah, I think they, well, I mean, people tend to be awful. So I wasn't entirely surprised. But they did also ask me who the best one was. And again, I couldn't pick one because they've all no. been so fun in different yeah. ways. Yeah. been very lucky. I think authors tend to be pretty good people. I would agree. Well, some with some exclusions, obviously. <laughs> I'm not saying any names. I kind of thought that might be where this was heading, yep. When I said it, it wasn't, but then I realised that I yeah. should. A swift <laughs> turn, okay. Well, anyway. Anyway. What is this week's theme, Frankie? This week's theme, Sarah, this month's theme or whatever, whatever time scale yes, we operate on these days, was a, a crime thriller book with a female protagonist. Yeah. How did you find selecting your book? I had loads of options, actually. Mm. And I narrowed it down to three that I had sitting on my TBR. Mm. And then I just picked one because the, how to describe it, it's kind of revolves around a lifestyle that is quite alien to me. So oh. I thought that was quite interesting. I was about to make a really mean joke. But I just <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I was like, oh, what, one with like basic hygiene. <laughs> It's not even true. Sarah's very clean and smells very nice. I just, it was low hanging fruit. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I hope I'm clean. Like, I'm not with you right now, so it doesn't really matter to no, me. No, in general. So, shall I tell you which one I picked? Yeah, go on then. <laughs> on you that happy well um, I read Black Widows by Kate Quinn. Ooh, I've not read this. It's really, it was, yeah, I mean, spoiler alert, it was very good. It was a book that I got in my monthly book subscription a while ago. So it's been sitting there and I've been kind of waiting to read it. Um, So I will read the back, the blurb on the back. Yes. Blake Nelson had three perfect wives until one of them killed him. Rachel, Emily and Tina have nothing in common except that they share a husband and a homestead. When their beloved Blake is found dead under the desert sun, the questions pile up. But none of the widows know who would want to kill a good man like their husband. At least that's what they'll tell the police. Oh, my my money's on Tina. You don't have to answer that, but I just don't like the sound of her. Interesting. Are they Mormons? Yes. Um, Well, not Mormons. Mormons don't practice polygamy. It's the Church of Latter-day Saints, I believe, who is sort of a subset of Mormonism. I apologise. I don't need to offend anybody with my ignorance. Well, I mean, I've possibly got that totally wrong. I actually read this a couple of weeks ago now, and I have to say my mind is a little bit shot, and I'm not sure why. So busy at the moment. Yeah, but that's 
obviously kind of why I picked it because mm. I really don't know very much about polygamy. I've watched some trashy American reality TV shows on the topic. And yeah. did you ever watch Big Love, that TV show back in, must be the 90s, I reckon? I don't think I did. Oh, it was so good. Well, so I, I too have seen a lot of trashy documentaries about it. And uh, I think Louis Theroux did an episode on it, which yes, was great. I think you're right. Mm, fun. Yeah, but I have to say it's kind of, um, it's a lifestyle that, I'm sorry, I've just looked up Big Love. It was actually 2006, which oh, wow. is way more recent than I was expecting. It's got Bill Paxton. Um, oh, okay. actually a very, very good cast, so I recommend it. Anyway, yeah, it's a lifestyle that I can't really empathise with. really doesn't interest me at all. But <laughs> it sounds like a lot of work, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's quite problematic as well mm. let's face it um i'm not going to get into the politics of it because no I to each just... their own no judgment on that front yeah exactly well actually i think um polygamy for polygamy's sake is probably quite healthy and if that's mm. what one wants fantastic it's religious polygamy where yes there's very much a power imbalance and actually you see mm. that in this book obviously okay and the woman slash women trying to reclaim their power i guess Oh, sounds good. Yeah. Okay, so tell, tell me more, tell me more. Well, I don't want to say too much about it and give it away, um, but the wives are kind of an interesting mix of characters. So the, the first wife, I'm just going to make sure I've got them in the right order, one sec. You sound, that must be like the husband's problems, like, oh God, which one is which? Well, very much so. Mm. So yeah, the wives are all, they're very different. So Rachel is the first wife. She was born into um, the Mormon faith. She was... Blake's first wife obviously like I said and mm -hmm. then they kind of decided together or at least that's how it's presented I think how Rachel has convinced herself it happened to bring right. more women into the relationship so Emily is the second wife she's really interesting because she was raised um, as a very strict Catholic oh, so okay an interesting um switch around there mm, the opposite really yeah emily's very very young quite immature um or at least she seems that way okay and then tina is the third wife and tina i believe i can't remember if she was either a i think she was a sex worker in las vegas oh wow as opposed to a stripper and she was obviously i think you get the impression she was kind of looking for a home and someone right. to take care of her i see so a vulnerable character. Very much. I mean, they all are in different ways. And as you get further through the book, it becomes clear more and more so that that's the case. Okay. They aren't massively likable to begin with. Or maybe it's not that they're not likable, but I think, like I said, you can't really empathise with them because the mm -hmm. way they come at things is just so completely different to anything, any, any way that I handle things in life, I guess. Um, but actually, after they've killed their husband... <laughs> And I'm saying that because that's how it describes it on the back. I'm not giving away anything about the no. outcome. They sort of, yeah, they come into their own and find their own places within the family without him there. And it's, yeah, at the heart of it is kind of about their journeys into becoming themselves more so than the crime. Hmm. You do get resolution on what happened. My big letdown with this book was, and it feels unfair to say that this was a letdown, it had a very, what I think is probably realistic ending for the characters. Okay. So you, this might be too much of a spoiler. I don't know. Sorry if it is, but you get to the end and you kind of just want everyone to be saved. Right. And go on and live these normal lives, and right? And they don't. And I don't think it would have been realistic if they had. Hmm. It's certainly, it's, 
it's a happy ending for what it is. And I think it was probably the best possible ending that Kate Quinn could have written mm-hmm. to fit in with the character still. But, oh, I didn't love it. Yeah. Mm. It kind of left me feeling, you know, the most bleak book that I've read in about 20 years, Chris Whitaker's um, <laughs> We Begin at the, the end. end. Yeah. Yeah. You know how when you finish reading that and you put it down and you're like, oh my God, I feel awful. <laughs> He has that effect on people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Much like after we finished our interview with him. Exactly. Um, exactly. Very good episode, by the way, everyone should go back and listen. Yeah. yeah, I kind of had a fraction of that feeling finishing it, which I I didn't get at first because like I said on the surface, it's it's a perfectly happy ending. And mm. um I think it was that thing of you just wanted everyone to be saved, which maybe isn't fair because maybe they don't need to be saved. Yeah. Who that's knows? True. That's above my pay grade. So Definitely a good read. Um, Kate Quinn is a fantastic storyteller and she sort of wove together these different locations throughout the book and mm. they felt so realistic, even though it was places that I'd never been to, obviously. Yeah. Go, sorry, to go back to what you were just saying about the wanting to be saved thing, that's mm. really interesting because I wonder how much of that is just our institutionalization is probably a bit of a dramatic word for it but when you're a kid and you watch all the disney films and you Mm. watch all the cartoons and stuff it's always about everyone getting saved damsels in distress whatever happy endings and i wonder how much of that is just so ingrained into us that anything outside of it just seems so bleak oh yeah completely Mm. that's entirely right i'm pretty sure that i've had this moan on an episode before actually talking about the law and order episode (laughs) yes yeah, where it finished and you don't find out who committed the crime. It's that thing if you want everything wrapped up in a nice little bow, you want to know all the details. Yeah. You want to know everyone's going to be okay, the bad guys aren't going to be okay. Mm. And no matter how much I can see that a lot of the time it's a better storytelling device not to wrap everything up with a pretty little bow, I still want it. Yeah. I'm a child of Disney, what can I say? You are a Disney princess. I've always said that about you. I'd just like to clarify, I'm not like a Disney adult. (laughs) Oh, God. Can you imagine if I was a Disney adult on top of a sad (laughs) Harry Potter fan? (laughs) We wouldn't be doing this podcast. I don't think I'd have any friends. The combination of the two would probably just... You would have friends, but they'd be a very particular type of friend. (laughs) And you'd be more of a gang, I would say, than than friends. A cult, yeah. Yeah, I think it would be called a mum's net of friends. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you would have. So oh, no. thankfully you don't because yeah, we would not I don't think I'd probably be doing this podcast with you, to be honest. No, no, no. I think that's fair. Thank you. So yes, I do recommend the book. I think I'd give it three tombstones. It was a okay. solid read. There was nothing wrong with it, but it was yeah. kind of just a solid read. And did you learn a lot about polygamy within the book and within the religious context? Does it go into that a lot or? Um, a little bit. It mm-hmm. does, but it was stuff that I kind of already had picked up from what I've read and seen over the years yeah. from TV shows and, and all that jazz. And uh, There was nothing groundbreaking. Actually, one thing that was really interesting, and it was that thing of, I don't know why, but any time someone talks about food in books when they go into Mm. detail that's kind of one of the things that always sticks in my mind maybe i'm just a massive pig i don't know you like food yeah love food Mm. but it talks quite a lot about how the one of the first wife's responsibilities was to um can 
three years worth of food so they have it there in case of the rapture oh. they went quite heavily into the process around that and I thought it was really interesting to be fair canning that is interesting I've never really thought about it I know like preserves and stuff but not canning yeah no they canned like meat and veggies and wow other stuff i'm sure probably fruit let's go wild sure she sounds like a very good wife yeah well in some ways <laughs> probably not in others oh well i mean there you go i guess it depends on what she's canning <laughs> <laughs> oh my god they should have canned his body how amazing would <gasps> in that parts. yeah oh that's spoiler dark. they did not can his body oh they really missed all out on like a dharma trick there I know. I'm sorry. Mm. I've got regrets now. Should I drop a tombstone? No, we'll stick with three. No, but I do feel like you should email, is it Kate Quinn, and mm. say, hey, a bit disappointed you didn't <laughs> can the body. Some feedback. <laughs> <laughs> Here are my thoughts on how you could have successfully dissected the body for canning. Yeah, I'll do some diagrams. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I think that will go really well. So three tombstones, that's pretty solid. Yeah, decent yeah. read. Would recommend... Didn't set me on fire. No, that's fair. But the thing is, not every book is going to set you on fire, is it? Well, no. Nature of the Beast is. If it did, then even we'd be a book would be disappointing. Yeah, yes, constantly burning. Yeah. Who hmm. was the energy? <laughs> not us. That's <laughs> no. it, I'm sure. No. <laughs> not in this economy. Although, actually, it'd be quite useful during the fact we're in an energy crisis. It would keep us warm in the winter. Yeah. I just, it's one crisis after another, isn't it? Yeah, it's what a time to be alive. Or actually, not even one crisis after another. It's many crises all at the same time. Yeah. Everything, everywhere, all at once, like the film, but really, really bleak and shit. So, yeah, cool. Well, I'm glad we've <laughs> gone down this road. I'm glad that we've started that conversation. <laughs> Why don't I change the subject with, a, with my book? Yeah. Which, spoiler, is no less bleak. Oh, so oh fun. No. So my book I'd actually got for my birthday uh, in July. It had been on my Amazon wish list. You do this thing where whenever I see a book that interests me, I just whack it on my Amazon wish list so I don't forget it. Yeah, my wish list is out of control. Yeah, yeah, same. And then I inevitably, my family will get, end up giving me a stack of books. So I reluctantly, I have to say, my mum's always like, I don't like to buy you books. I was like, why not? <laughs> I like them. That's why they're on my wish list. Why would you not want to encourage that in a person? What was her answer? She was just like, oh, just don't know, it's a present. I was like, books are the, are the best present. I don't understand. Yeah, you can't go wrong with a book. No, completely. Anyway, she's insane. So the book that I read was called Her Perfect Twin by Sarah Bonner. Ooh. Mm. I love a twin story. Twins are fascinating. They really are. And you know, they seem to be having a bit of a moment, actually. There seem to be quite a few crime books around I've seen that are related to twins. Because it, it, as you say, I guess it's naturally intriguing, isn't it? If you're yeah. not one. So I will read you the blurb. When Megan discovers photographs of her estranged identical twin sister on her husband's phone, she wants answers, understandably. <laughs> Leah already has everything Megan has ever wanted. Fame, fortune, freedom to do whatever she wants. And when Megan confronts Leah, an argument turns to murder. The only way she can get away with killing her twin is to become her. But then lockdown hits. How can Megan continue living two lives? And what happens if someone else knows her secret too? I always find it very jarring when COVID and lockdown and stuff are in works like literature or TV shows. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. It feels very odd. I know. I know. I didn't. And you know what? I knew it was coming and it's, I still found it jarring, even though it was 
very clear in the blurb that it was going to happen. <laughs> I feel like we haven't emotionally recovered from the last few years. And no. to have it thrown at you from another angle is quite upsetting. <laughs> no, and I think also I one of the reasons for that is that I don't want to think about it ever yeah. again. Yeah. Because it wasn't fun. No. I mean, put put aside the stress of leading a double life. It's just quite awful for everybody, really. I cannot believe that anyone during lockdown had the energy to live a double life. That was a yeah. dark, sad time. Well, yeah, the thing, the book, there's quite a few bits in the book where, I mean, I'm not going to spoil too much, but she, you know, speaking to people on Zoom because mm. it's during oh, lockdown. God, and her colleagues are like, oh, imagine if you had a second family. Oh, what stress and all this. And it's, yeah. I wonder how many people did actually have that problem during lockdown, thinking about it. That's interesting. I'd never thought mm. about it, but there must have been. Yeah. Mm. How many people like locked in basements and sh- you know, sheds somewhere would like to starve to death because they weren't allowed to leave the house to feed them? I don't know statistically the mm. number of kidnapped victims yeah. that are kind of kept captive and not immediately killed or used for other purposes or whatever. Sure, or trafficked but, or something. Yeah, mm. there must be some out there. Oh, for sure. And I would be very interested to know what happened. I'm sure the police would be very interested to know what happened as well <laughs> to them over lockdown. There must have been an impact, right? Yeah, it's weird that I don't think there's been like a survey done on that um, by YouGov. <laughs> we should probably try and commission one. <laughs> How did you keep your captive during lockdown? How was it sustainable? <laughs> so many questions. You're right. I, I would love to know the answer too. Sadly, I think it's another one of life's great mysteries that we're never going to get the answer to for that one. But, it's just yeah. one issue after another, isn't it? I know. So a continual disappointment. If anyone's listening who has held someone captive and they did it over lockdown, if you could send us an email, I promise, right? I promise I won't tell the police on you. I won't dob you in. So if you could just give us a brief outline of how that went and what you did, your secret will be safe. Yeah. And you'll just, you know what, get it off your chest. I bet you want to tell someone, probably dying to tell someone. I'd love that, please. Yeah, I really would. But yeah, fingers crossed. So we'll see. I'll, I'll keep an eye on my email, on the emails for the podcast. <laughs> okay, podcast at gmail.com if you want to unburden yourself and enlighten Sarah and I in the process. We'd really appreciate it. We just want to learn. We just want to learn. Just like about the polygamy. We just want to learn. We're scholars at heart. <laughs> the quest for knowledge never, never dies, you know? Unlike their kidnapping victims, I would Potentially. Imagine. Well, we don't know. They might have had a system. But anyway, we'll think, mm. we'll find out. But um, I should probably talk about the book. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, it spoils the very beginning in the blurb. So I can talk about the fact that, yeah, she... Megan, this, it opens with her looking at her husband's phone. And there's a photo of her or someone that looks a hell of a lot like her (laughs) turns out that is in fact the case wearing this like electric blue set of underwear lying on a bed distinctive she'd remember she had a pair of electric blue knickers exactly right so instantly she's like oh god is this me I don't think I own this underwear. So she starts like looking around in her drawers and her husband is like, oh, your memory. Well, she doesn't basically say anything about the picture, but she's obviously like, something's going on here. She can't find the underwear. And so she has this, she has this very complicated relationship with her sister, Leah. So it's mm-hmm. Megan and Leah are the twins. 
So she, they had a very complicated family history as kids where her father led a double life and had another family. Oh, layer upon layer. Yeah, it? it's, it's, it's in the water around these parts, apparently. Mm. So, but then the twins were going to write a book about it together. And Megan did most of the, the groundwork for it. And because she, she had a very clear direction she wanted to go in, she didn't want to cover a lot of the really awful stuff that happened. But Leah, her sister, went and just did it with and told everything told all the awful stuff even though it broke their mother's heart and you know made her really unhappy and everything so they fell out they didn't talk for years and it, but with the releasing of this book Leah the twin got really successful really popular she's basically become like a, an Instagram celebrity in the process oh I bet there's some bad feelings between them yeah and she's really rich and really successful whereas Megan she works for an accountancy firm doing like training courses and things for businesses um, mm. and she and her husband Chris live in you know, the best part of the book for me this is very sad second time in a row actually that I've mentioned this making me happy in a book but it's set in Guildford <laughs> because she was describing them driving past uh, the Burger King the industrial estate I was like oh well that's Lady Mead I know Ooh, that area it is Lady Mead oh, I goodness. know fun and fact my mother doesn't listen to this podcast, I don't think. Lady oh. Mead is probably her favourite location in the entire world. <laughs> really? She's absolutely obsessed with the next there. It's a very big next, yeah. Big next. Got it's a home. Not, not the biggest I've ever seen, though. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Coming after Lady Mead, a bit harsh. We're doing anyway. Best. Back to your book. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So yeah, that made me really happy. But yeah, she lives in a house in Guildford and she, yeah, she's a bit bitter about it. So she goes and confronts her sister and her sister basically knows that she's going to come and confront her. It seems like it's all kind of been planned that way. Mm. And she rocks up to have a go at her and the sister's like, oh, you know, I met him at a hotel. I swear I didn't know who he was before, but you know, he's he's in love with me. What are you going to do? <laughs> so what Megan decides to do is smack her across the head with a wine bottle and kill mm. her. Mm, yeah. which though she didn't mean to kill her but I don't think she was thinking about not killing her either if that makes sense I mean we've all been in that situation yeah right? oh god if I had a pound for every time <laughs> every time I've not not thought about killing someone yeah I mean if you look whichever way the the river goes well, I don't know what that means but yeah completely so mm. she then has to she hides they're in some cabin somewhere I think the sister basically owns multiple properties and she hides the sister's body in a freezer a big chest freezer that happens to be there quite useful actually mm. and she decides that the best way as, as the blurb says is to, to hide the fact that her sister is dead is to to be, to be both of them and so she because she looks like her handy they are identical twins mm. she like is able to use facial recognition on her phone and things and you know work out a lot of stuff so she starts doing that. And in the meantime, while doing that, uh, she also stumbles on an online dating profile for this guy that her sister was speaking to called Tom. And she goes on a date with him. Mm. And because basically it's also revealed, so obviously her husband has been cheating. Yeah. Quite clear from the beginning. Yeah. And he, he, they have a bit of a troubled marriage, a bit of a difficult relationship. He's, he's very abusive, it's like mm. quite early on. And you kind of get the sense from the beginning, I don't want to spoil too much, a bit of gaslighting going on. Okay. Kind of trying to drive her insane. Like, so for example, with this, the electric blue underwear that she that finds in the picture, he has bought items of that color and put them around the house. <laughs> 
to kind of mess with her. I'm not sure I should be amused by that, should I? No, it's quite it's quite <laughs> awful, but uh, quite yeah, it's an interesting detail anyway. Yeah. So then, yeah, she she starts going on dates with this guy Tom, and she falls in love with him, and he falls in love with her, and but he thinks that she's Leah, and she's just like, you know what, actually. I'll just be Leah because Leah's life's way better than mine. She's really mm. rich. This guy's really hot. My husband's a dick. So I think I'll run off with him. And then lockdown hits. Mm. Bad timing, really. And there are loads of other kind of twists and turns that follow it from there. I don't want to spoil too much. But overall, I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. The only the parts for me that made it, and I'm going to give it, I'll say now, I'll get, I gave it a three as well, three tombstone mm-hmm. rating. The reason why it doesn't get more of a tombstone rating for me is that the characters are very black and white. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. There's no kind of, there's that, we've talked about it quite a lot. A person isn't all bad or all good, right, mm. in life. I mean, there are some, sure. But for the most part, people are a multitude of things. In this, there, there are bad guys and there are good people. And mm. it's a bit kind of, especially the... I mean, it's established quite on her husband is a dick and he's a real dick and there is no kind of redeeming aspect in whatsoever. And I just found that a little bit like, ugh, a bit too evil, if you know what I mean. Yeah. At certain points, he could have had a handlebar moustache and been tying her to a train track and it would have worked. <laughs> You know, so I just kind of think I, I like personally a bit of more subtlety in the characterization. It was it's told from multiple uh, perspectives within the book. So I guess there is something in the fact that he's revealing his inner thoughts and things like that. So you would get a very honest account. But he, yeah, it's I don't know. The characters weren't especially likable for the most part, mm. but it was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed being in Guildford, uh, you know, going to Lady Me, <laughs> at least <laughs> driving past it. and there are other kind of the the things that she had you know thinking about her running away how she was kind of planting the seeds and planning for that was quite interesting so I did enjoy it but yeah I was again a bit like you wasn't blown away by it and I think it was unfortunate some of the characterization that that did that for me Mm. but a fun little ride and also the lockdown thing I'm not ready to go back into lockdown (laughs) even fictionally speaking yeah I'm with you on that one. Mm. This is hilarious because the plot of this book <laughs> really reminds me of. Did you ever read any of the Sweet Valley High books? Is there like teenager? No, I, I used to read the Sweet Valley High books, and they did these every so often. They do like thriller editions, right? And there was one. I think it was an arc of like four books. And obviously, Sweet Valley High was about two twins, Elizabeth yeah. and Jessica, and it was this random psychopath who realised that she was also identical to them. What? Her name, her name was Margot. I can't remember, believe I remember all this. Margo. So she like stalked them down to where they lived and she fell in love with Elizabeth's boyfriend. I <gasps> she replaced Elizabeth. Oh, shit. And, I mean, it all got resolved in the end, but then they did another book and it turned out Margot had a long lost identical twin sister called Nora who had to get revenge on Margot. <laughs> so they're like, they're, they're quadruplets. Yeah, absolutely amazing, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> what was the writer taking at that point in their life? To no get to idea. This? I'm pretty sure that they were all ghostwritten at that point as well. Brilliant. So I suspect they could write what they wanted without actually having their name against it. That's so. amazing. 
Yeah. I like that. Oh, that's fun. Doing this, that's clearly like somebody's gone a bit unhinged or watched too many soap operas. Oh, yeah. They were an amazing series. Wow. Had, like, yeah, three or four books. It all, like, culminated on prom night or something like that, which, you know, it doesn't get better than that. <laughs> I need to know how it ends. I am going to try and look them up because... <sighs> That's really entertained me. They were really good. So I'll Can let you, you remember know. how it ends? No. Oh. I remember, I think Margot maybe went through a massive glass window and I think died. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. I mean, it was a happy ending for Jessica and Elizabeth, obviously. Sure. I sure. feel like maybe one of the OGs went mm. to prison briefly as well because <gasps> they thought that she'd like killed her twin sister. <gasps> On, it was honestly, another one. I have to find them. <laughs> you have to find them. And you have to come next next time we record, you have to tell me the ending. <laughs> okay, so on that topic, um, mm. next month's theme, Frankie yes. let us know. Obviously, you're the only one who'll be covering this because I will be rereading Sweet Valley High. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to read two books then <laughs> and do a Sarah impression at the same yeah. time. So the theme of our next episode is going to be historical true crime. And by that we mean any any book or crime published before 1950. Yeah. So the book can be more modern if we want it to be, but it has to be sure. about a crime from the 50s 19. or earlier. Yeah, pre-50s. Or it can just be a really old book. <laughs> a very atone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this, we haven't done a true crime one for a while. So. No, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. I think it'll be good. But if you listening have any ideas for themes, because we are running out already, uh, please do let us know what you think we should do. We're at Red and Berry Podcast on all the social media channels, or you can email us at redandberrypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, along with the person that's going to tell us how they kept someone captive during lockdown. If you could put that in the subject line, that would really help it pop. Mm, Thank you in advance. Thank you. Um, Also, let us know if you've got any requests for author interviews. We can't guarantee that we can get them, but we're happy to try and cyber bully them into it. Yep, it's worked so far, so absolutely. And um, we've got some really good ones coming up as well. Um, We are actually very busy for author interviews, which is really nice. All I do is read, honestly. Yeah. All I do is read and edit a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's about the same. It's about the same. But yeah, please do let us know. And also, if anybody is going to Capital Crime at the end of September, please do let me know because I'm going to be there. Frankie's there. I'm ready to make friends. Come and talk to me because I'll probably be alone. <laughs> yeah. No, I do know some people. I'm not that sad. I'm quite sad. But, but yeah, so if you're at Capital Crime and you see me, uh, please do come and say hello. Or uh, if there's any authors that you know are going to Capital Crime that you want me to try and get on the podcast, let me know. And I'll start laying the groundwork. <laughs> that doesn't sound creepy, does it? It doesn't sound like I'm stalking them. Well, in an endearing way. Yes. So I think it's all right. Not like Nora, the twin. <laughs> No, Stalking. Nora, Margot. I think Jessica probably got involved because she was a bit psychotic anyway. Was she the was she the more psychotic of the two? Oh, absolutely. Also, obviously, the one who was way more into boys and oh, makeup. Yeah. I did. I, I don't know why I was still talking about this. I didn't <laughs> read the books, but I did see some of the TV series when I was younger, mm. and I remember there was like the the good bookish one, and then like the bad one, the bad Absolutely. girl. Absolutely. Mm. I actually rewatched some of them a couple of months ago. It was when I had COVID, up? actually. I mean, it's terrible, mm. really terrible. But mm-hmm. yes, in a kind of nostalgic way yeah I, I don't think if someone came to it fresh today they'd go oh yeah this is great 
what this current show I'm watching this is excellent yes <laughs> yeah wow well there you go thanks for listening everyone what a, what a roller coaster of themes we've covered today yeah I'm sorry there was so much uh, Sweet Valley High talk I'm sorry there was so much kidnap chat as well uh, and but there you go you never know where these ones are going to go a weird insight into our brains yeah this is why we need authors on these recordings so that they keep us slightly less unhinged yeah slightly on our best behaviour when there are other people on the call yeah oh well oh well well on that note thanks for listening everyone thank you and we'll see you soon bye bye Hello everyone, this is Tony Black, co-host and producer of You Have Been Watching, a podcast all about British sitcoms. Myself and co-host Robert Turnbull take you on a range of Britcom subjects and shows in our discussions, including greats such as Faulty Towers. Basil, in, in the same way as, as David Brent and uh, Alan Partridge and Victor Meldrew, Basil works best when he is actually dealing with assholes lesser known curios such as 15 stories high there are all these kind of like gag setups being put in place uh, in that episode and then the the sort of the end like minute or so is basically the payoff to all of these gags and it's very very sitcommy and even top tens such as sitcom theme tunes if we have to put composers of theme tunes in context for british sitcoms i think ronnie hazelhurst he's, he's possibly the john williams of I was just gonna say he is the, he is the John Williams yeah. of I think of, I think uh, he is British sitcom. We're available on all podcast platforms and on social media at YHB Watching Pod on Twitter and Facebook. So please subscribe, get in touch, and come and have a laugh with us. Mm-hmm.